listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Coming to you from the Windy City Slam Studios in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, this is Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome on in everyone, Mike Pankow here, the founder and editor of WindyCitySlam.com and the host of Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome on into episode number 164, it's WrestleMania Week. And we'll take a look at the card this weekend in L.A. Jake Something and Sierra were the big winners at AAW Epic. We have a new Warrior Wrestling Lucha Champion. And it was a little bit of a surprise, but much deserving. Plus, we welcome for the first time a former WWE and Impact Wrestling Superstar. A longtime Chicago area independent wrestler. One half of the Fixers and former NWA United States Tag Team Champion. Jay Bradley. We'll talk about the upcoming NWA 312 pay-per-view in Highland Park and much more. And you'll get that all right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. Stay tuned. Wrestling fans often talk about psychology in the squared circle. But what about your individual psychology and mental health? The counselors at True Heights Treatment offer in-person or virtual appointments. To learn more, go to www.trueheightstx.com or give them a call at 708-248-7039. My name is Storm Grayson and I'm your freelance underground independent champion and you're listening to the Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome back to Windy City Slam Podcast. And on a little bit of a somber note before we get started, Rest in peace to Mr. Bill, William Robinette. He's the former television host for Windy City Wrestling in Chicago, which was broadcast on Sports Channel and Showcase Chicago Channel 25 on local access cable. He was the face and voice for Windy City Wrestling in the 90s. Really kind of made you feel at home, brought all the action to you every week, and condolences to his family and many friends. We move on to Impact Wrestling. The Impact Wrestling World Champion, Walking Weapon Josh Alexander, had to relinquish that title because of a triceps tear. And his record-breaking reign ends at 335 days. And over this past year, Josh Alexander has been a tremendous champion in Impact. He's also had some great matches for AAW in Chicago. And best of luck to Josh Alexander as he has surgery and heals from that injury. All right, heading into this weekend, and it's WrestleMania week. WWE presents WrestleMania 39, WrestleMania Hollywood, Saturday and Sunday, April the 1st and the 2nd, at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. And the matches are as follows. The United States Championship, we have Austin Theory defending against John Cena. Wow, this is going to be really interesting. And to note, John Cena opened WrestleMania 20, For the United States Championship and beat the champion Big Show on that day at Madison Square Garden. This match is opening the two-day event in Hollywood. So, will Cena repeat the feat nearly 20 years later and win the United States Championship in the opening match? 
Or will Austin Theory continue getting his monstrous push? I'm going to actually say John Cena puts over the kid here. Austin Theory retains. And then we have Seth freaking Rollins versus Logan Paul. It's going to be a spectacle of a match. I think Seth Rollins comes out as the victor. Six woman tag. We have Trish Stratus, Lita, and Becky Lynch against damage control of Bailey, Dakota Kai, and EO Sky. My gut feeling says Trish, Lita, and Becky will win this match. And, you know, for the nostalgia love and all that stuff. And I just think it's pretty cool to see Trish Stratus and Lita teaming up with Becky Lynch at a WrestleMania. And the WWE Raw Women's Championship, Bianca Belair defends against Asuka. I don't know if I really have a strong opinion either way on who's going to win this match. Asuka has looked strong since she returned at the Rumble. Bianca has been a solid champion. And WWE Brass seems to really love what she brings to the table. I don't really have a pick here. I'm not going to stick my neck out. But if I did, maybe a slight lean to Bianca. And then we have Brock Lesnar versus Omos with MVP at his side. Speaking of spectacle, this is it. It's just... Brock Lesnar against a monster giant in Omas. I say Brock wins this match. WWE Intercontinental Championship, and this could be one of the best matches of the weekend. We have Gunther defending the title against Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. And I'm telling you, Gunther has been amazing with this title. And even going back to his long NXT UK Championship reign, I'm going to say Gunther retains here, and there's going to be more of a rift between Sheamus and McIntyre. And then we have a Hell in a Cell match between Edge and Finn Balor. The Judgment Day rivalry is coming to a head. I'm going to go with Edge here. I mean, Edge doesn't have very many WrestleMania moments left. This might be one of his last great moments at a WrestleMania. I'm going to go with Edge. And then for the Women's WrestleMania Showcase, the Fatal 4-Way Tag Team Match, and the feel is not even complete for this as of recording, we have Liv Morgan Raquel Rodriguez against Natalya and Shotzi, against Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler versus one team to be determined. Just looking at that, I have a feeling it's Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler's match to lose. So they're going to win that one. And then we have the Men's WrestleMania Showcase for the Fatal 4-Way Tag Team Match. We have Braun Strowman and Ricochet, the Street Profits, Alpha Academy, and the Viking Raiders. All pretty good teams. Although it drives me nuts, some of these thrown-together teams like Strowman and Ricochet have so much success. While teams like the Viking Raiders take loss after loss. And this is going to be interesting because the Street Profits, they've had their share of success, although they've kind of faltered lately in tag team action. I've always loved Alpha Academy. Anything with Chad Gable, he's like baby Kurt Angle to me. I just love that team, although Otis is um, running off with the maximum amount of models from time to time. So who knows where his head's going to be at. You know what? Gut call. The Viking Raiders here, Eric and Ivar, pull out the win, maybe with a little help from Valhalla. And then we have the undisputed tag team championships, the Usos, Jay and Jimmy, versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Owens and Zayn have been on a quest to end the bloodline, to screw over the Usos and Roman Reigns. A little success so far, but not a whole lot. But I think this will be the night Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn bring home the tag team gold and end the long reign of the Usos. It's going to be a really fun little celebration at the end too, I think. And then we have Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio. And man, they've been milking this for months. Dominic keeps teasing Rey, keeps trying to 
Gold Ray into a fight. Ray doesn't want to fight. But when Dominic finally starts insulting his mother and his sister, that's when Ray finally slugs Dominic and accepts the match. And this whole build for it has been so good and fantastic. And I have to give Dominic a lot of credit too. Whoever's helping him out, whether it's his dad or Conan or the memories of Eddie Guerrero or, or any of that, the Judgment Day, Dominic has become a great heel in a very short time. And gut feeling is Dominic pulls out the win over his father here and continues his reign of terror. And for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship, and this is going to be one of the top matches of the weekend, we have Charlotte Flair defending the title against Rhea Ripley. Rhea was the Royal Rumble winner. Charlotte's the 14-time champion. Man, it could go either way, but gut feeling here for me says Charlotte Flair retains the title. And a real quick aside about Charlotte Flair. I just watched the A&E documentary on her and... One thing I really have to say is going back a few years when Ric Flair was really sick, possibly on his deathbed, I actually met Charlotte Flair like eight or nine days after all that went down. And it would have been really, really easy for Charlotte Flair to be a jerk or have her attention divided or not be into the meet and greet. But she was unbelievably nice and sweet and I have to give Charlotte 150% credit. Her professionalism, her just passion for the business, despite everything else going on in her life that could have easily derailed her. She took a minute or two to talk to me at Wizard World Chicago. She did a nice autograph for me. We did a photo op and she was awesome. And I tell you, one of my best interactions ever with a WWE superstar was with Charlotte Flair. And that's just a little bit of a side. That's not the reason why I'm choosing her to win. I just feel that she's going to continue this reign. And Rhea Ripley and the Judgment Day are going to continue wreaking havoc on Monday Night Raw. And then your main event of the weekend. Your undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Roman Reigns with the wise man Paul Heyman in his corner. Defends against the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes. Roman Reigns approaching almost a thousand days as WWE Universal Champion. I think his time is up and Cody Rhodes' time is now. That bad John Cena pun there. But Cody Rhodes will be celebrating at the end of WrestleMania with the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. Also this weekend we have Friday night, March the 31st. The WWE Hall of Fame is taking place at the Crypto.com Arena in L.A., Following WrestleMania SmackDown, which will feature the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. A lot of different guys that could win that match. They could throw a bone to Bobby Lashley since they basically booted him off the WrestleMania card with Bray Wyatt's recent disappearance. So maybe maybe Bobby Lashley wins that. And in your Hall of Fame will be Rey Mysterio, The Great Muda, Stacey Keebler, who was just announced, and Andy Kaufman, who is a really cool celebrity to include. And there may be one or two more coming this week that we don't know of as of yet. But we also heard Batista won't be going in this year because of Hollywood commitments. And then Saturday, April the 1st, we have NXT Stand and Deliver, Crypto.com Arena. That's Saturday late morning in California, noontime in Chicago. We have the unsanctioned match between Johnny Gargano and Grayson Waller. 
the ladder match for the NXT Women's Championship. At least five competitors are going to be in this one. Zoe Stark, Gigi Dolan, Tiffany Stratton, Lyra Valkyria, plus an unannounced to be determined opponent as the fifth person. And I don't know if Roxanne Perez has been ruled out yet either, a 100%. So will we see her in this match and become a six-way? We'll see. And then we have the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship, the sometimes dysfunctional, sometimes united, Fallon Henley and Kiana James duo with Briggs and Jensen in their corner, taking on Alba Fire and Isla Dawn. I think all of the soap opera histrionics is, are going to catch up to Henley and James, and Alba and Isla will win those titles. Fatal five-way match for the NXT North American Championship. The champion Wes Lee defends against the debuting Dragon Lee, JD McDonough, Ilya Dragunov, and Axiom. It's going to be an amazing match. A lot of high-flying, a lot of like crazy physical action between McDonough and Dragunov. And this is going to be crazy. And I'm going to call Dragon Lee pulling off the victory and winning the title in his NXT debut. NXT Tag Team Champions Gallus, Mark Coffey, and Wolfgang defend against the Creed Brothers and the D'Angelo family. I love all three of these teams. Gallus has been kicking ass ever since they were in NXT UK. The Creed Brothers are the future of the WWE Tag Team Division. And I just have a soft spot for the D'Angelo family, the whole Sopranos thing. And of course, Tony D'Angelo being a former POW Entertainment star. I would love to see the D'Angelo family win this match. And, uh, okay, I'll go on a limb. I'll say the D'Angelo family wins. Although I wouldn't be surprised by any of the other two teams winning here. And then we have Chase University, Andre Chase, Duke Hudson, and Thea Hale, along with Tyler Bate taking on Schism, Joe Gacy, Jagger Reed, Rip Fowler, and Ava. And the winning team gets control of Chase University. So will the Schism's tree grow by taking over Chase University? Quite possibly. And then your main event is your NXT Championship match. Almost one year strong, Braun Breaker, your champion, defending against Carmelo Hayes with Trick Williams in his corner. Couple predictions coming out of this. I think Carmelo Hayes breaks through, wins the NXT title. Braun Breaker ends up debuting on the main roster. And on the first NXT episode back from Stand and Deliver, I think Trick Williams turns on Carmelo Hayes and Carmelo Hayes becomes a babyface champion. So that's my take on NXT Stand and Deliver. Should be another terrific show from them. Hello, everyone. Maven, former WWE superstar, season one, tough enough winner. Make sure you catch Windy City Slam podcast wherever podcasts are available. So Windy City Slam, check it out. Going back to this past weekend, Friday night, March the 24th, AAW Pro presented Epic at 115 Bourbon Street in Marionette Park. The opening scramble we saw Big Beef, Gnarls, Garvin, Defeat, Gary J, Braden Lee, Damian Chambers, Axel Rico, and Crash Jackson as Garvin pins Axel Rico following a big splash. Ooh, man, I hope Axel Rico's okay after that. And then we have the AAW Tag Team Champions of Hustle and Soul, that's Calvin Tankman and Frontman Jossie, defeating the combination of N-Seeker Dante Leon and Ares. Heather Reckless knocks off Shaza McKenzie, and Reckless wins in kind of surprisingly quick fashion. Then Joe Alonzo sneaks up on Reckless, delivers a super kick and a big commotion. 
ensues with members of the next tag team match and what was supposed to be a two-on-two I quit rules match between Conan Lycan and Solomon Tupu against Rush Jones and Schaff. It turned into a six-man. And Rush Jones, Schaff, and Isaiah Moore defeated Solomon Tupu, Conan Lycan, and Joe Alonzo of Smooth Operations. And Tupu submits with a chair pressed against his throat. Then we had the number one contenders match for the AAW Championship. And former AAW champion, Savage Weight, Fred Yehi, pulls out the victory, defeating Silas Young, One Called Manders, and Ren Jones. And this was brutal, hard-hitting, bloody, everything you could think of. A double dog collar chain match. Mike Bennett and Levi Everett pull out the victory over AAW Heritage champion Davey Vega and Hartenbauer when Everett makes the champion Davey Vega tap out and I tweeted at one point during this match and the blood between Mike Bennett and Hartenbauer dripping down their faces kind of elicited memories from WrestleMania's 13 Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret the Hitman Hart 26 years ago at the Rosemont Horizon man it brought back some great memories and it was just a crazy match and speaking of another crazy match Mance Warner defeats the debuting Thrillbilly Silas Mason of the NWA after a crazy brawl and then laying out flat on the mat afterward, the two toast and celebrate with beer. It was pretty funny. Mance takes the mic and says, we're having a moment here. And I just had to laugh at that. And then in the semi-main event, we had a lumberjack match. Sierra gets a little bit of revenge on Christy Jane's pins her following a backpack stunner. This thing was nuts. It went into the bar area. They went all over the crowd. But when they get back to the ring, Sierra pulls out the win. And in your main event, speaking of crazy matches, AAW Heavyweight Championship, Jake Something retains by pinning Robert Ego Anthony after an into the void following an undetected chair shot from Mance Warner. So Ego messing around with Mance Warner at the previous show Legacy Kind of bit him a little bit in the ass during this main event here. And Jake Something finally prevailed after a ref bump or two and some other chicanery. So Jake Something retains the title. Robert Eagle Anthony's quest to win gold back in AAW has been thwarted for the time being. And now it looks like he has Mance Warner to deal with in the near future. Also this past weekend, we had Saturday night, March the 25th. Crash-tested wrestling presented Locked Out in Merrillville, Indiana, and the highlight of the night from this show was Cody James winning the Heaven Through Hell match, and he earns a CTW championship match against the Kang, Miles Mercer, in May at the next CTW show. And traveling into Michigan this past weekend, on Saturday night, March the 25th, Warrior Wrestling at West Catholic High School in Grand Rapids it was Warrior Wrestling 29. Clark Connors defeats Jake Something in the opener. And then Max the Impaler pins Warhorse following their wicked clothesline. That is just crazy. And they fought all over the building, into the bleachers. Slim Jims were used. But Max the Impaler gets the win. And then Johnny Warrior, a.k.a. John Hennigan, a.k.a. John Morrison, whatever other names he had, hell, Johnny Nitro back in the day, he pinned Storm Grayson after hitting his Starship paint, and this was a really solid match with a few goofy moments, and uh, it could have been the match of the night. It probably wasn't, but 
If you put these two in the ring for 20 minutes and just had them wrestle, I think it could be a main event pretty much anywhere. And that's how good I think Storm Grayson is. And obviously we know how good Johnny is. And then we had Jordan Cross defeating Beastman as the lucky punk stays on a roll. Beastman tries to hit Cross with a giant bone. He misses and then hits himself on a ricochet from the top rope. So the bone bounces back right into his head. Cross does the schoolboy roll up, gets the three count, and it, the punk rock prince. The luckiest punk in wrestling is now 4-0 and at Warrior Wrestling main show matches with each victory coming by the way of some sort of lucky consequence. And this is getting crazy with Jordan Cross. And the fact he's 4-0 against some pretty good competition is quite amazing. And silly lucky gimmick aside, this kid is something to watch. Take a look at some of his non-Warrior Wrestling matches as well. And this kid is starting to put a lot of good stuff together. He's one of the best sellers I've seen in a long time. And he's starting to build that offensive arsenal as well. So keep your eyes on the punk rock prince Jordan Cross. Next match, we had Brian Cage pinning Zachary Wentz following a drill claw. This was not the first time these two men wrestled at a Warrior Wrestling show. They competed at Warrior Wrestling 4 when the rest of the Rascals were also part of a fatal four-way match for then Brian Cage's Warrior Wrestling Championship. Tag team action saw top flight Darius and Dante Martin defeating the velocities of Jude London and Paris De Silva when Dante Martin pins De Silva following a frog splash. For your truly blessed Warrior Wrestling World Championship, that's Casey Navarro's words, not mine, Casey Navarro retains the title, pinning Jordan Oliver after a low blow, a super kick, and then the Jesus piece to wrap up the victory. And Jordan Oliver's looking really, really good nowadays. And this is a guy that's going to, I think, make waves over the next few years. He's doing a lot in GCW right now. And I just think the sky is the limit for him. And, and, and Navarro as well. He's, he's a charismatic guy. He's got a good move set, and he's kind of a good wrestler too, and we'll see what happens with him. And then in your main event, which was streamed audio only, free on YouTube, no video available because of some restrictions in the contract of Vikingo, but in your main event, Warrior Wrestling Lucha Championship, Chicago's own, and a surprise, Gringo Loco defeats El Hijo del Vikingo, the champion, and Arez to become the new Warrior Wrestling Lucha Champion. Before the match, Gringo Loco comes down, cashes in his contender's medallion, and he makes it a triple threat. And Gringo comes through to win the title. Congratulations to Gringo Loco. A few shows of note coming up this weekend in local area. We have ICW Milwaukee's Guardians of Insanity on Friday night, March the 31st at The Bar in West Alice, Wisconsin. And then back closer to home, Saturday, April the 1st, POW Entertainment presents April Foolishness at the American Legion Post in Fox Lake. We have Hunter Payne and the Revolution of Psychotic Jimmy Blaze at Eric Freedom, taking on POW champion bearded bruiser Max Holiday and rotten to the core, that's Scott Spade and Tiny, and Mistress Misery will be lurking in the corner. And for your POW Midwest Championship, it's a rematch from a couple of months ago, Kazile defends against It's Your Boy, Mason Perks. 
And then we have the Hawaiian hitman, Koa Laksamana, facing Axel Rico in what should be a terrific match. And then a tag team match with the winners getting a tag title match at Summer Explosion on June the 3rd. We have the Irish Pub Army of Meat Hooks O'Bannon and Kevin O'Reilly taking on the Bone Daddies of Trog the Caveman and Moondog Greg Murray. Also making their POW debut, the heroes of our time, Mason Conrad and Joey Marks facing Acid Jazz and Sean Priest. Chuck's Deluxe faces Style and Shane Eaton. Plus, there'll be a Keys to the Kingdom qualifying Battle Royal. Also Saturday night, April the 1st, True Privilege presents the Stager Brawl in Stager. Alright, coming up, that was a mouthful. Coming up next, we welcome for the first time a former WWE and Impact Wrestling star, longtime Chicago area independent wrestler, former NWA United States Tag Team Champion, one half of the Fixers, Jay Bradley. Stay tuned. Want to get more customers for your business? Promoters, do you want more exposure for your upcoming event? Windy City Slam Podcast can be your tag team partner. Advertise with Windy City Slam and reach wrestling fans in the Chicagoland area and in the Midwest. Message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email Mike Pankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. SSW Tag Team Champion, the Punk Rock Prince, Jordan Cross, here live at the Broad South in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And you are checking out my best friends over at Windy City Slam Podcast. Mike Pankow, you are the man. Make sure to subscribe, like, follow, share, and everything else. And you can follow me at The Jordan Cross. I am the Punk Rock Prince. Thank you. All right, back here on Windy City Slam Podcast. So very, very excited to have this guest on for the very first time. We welcome a former WWE Impact Wrestling superstar, a longtime Chicago area independent wrestler, one half of the Fixers, and former NWA United States Tag Team Champion, ladies and gentlemen, Jay Bradley. Jay, how you doing? Oh, I'm not doing too bad. Uh, kind of doing some adulting today, which goes around doing, you know, chores lots of laundry and uh probably work out and getting some food ready for the week so that's about it i know that feeling there's a load of laundry waiting for me uh once we're done here so uh rock and roll <laughs> all right so let's get into it nwa 312 and tv tapings they're happening in the chicagoland area friday night april the 7th and saturday night april the 8th at studio one in highland park nwa 312 is the pay-per-view on friday night and then there'll be two sets of TV tapings on Saturday. So what's it like kind of coming back home for the NWA and doing it in Highland Park as well, where they had that tragic shooting incident at the parade last year. So what's all that like for you coming back home? Uh, you know, it, I guess you want to call it a little bit of a, to be stereotypical, a homecoming uh, in a lot of ways. You know, um, obviously I'm from the Chicagoland area. I don't reside there anymore, at least for the last several years I haven't. But that's been me. I've bounced around pretty much my entire adult life and throughout my wrestling career um, around the country and around the world. So um, it's going to be it's going to be fun. Um, I think with the NWA, obviously, we have a lot of Chicago roots. Uh, Billy uh, Corrigan, the owner, obviously, from there as well, lives in Allen Highland Park. You know, myself, 
and uh, a few other talents like Mrs. State and Joe Alonzo, also on the NWA roster, you know, Chicago talents as well. For me, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a small, intimate setting from what I've seen of the uh, the venue itself. But the fact that bringing the NWA back to Chicago, which is a great wrestling city historically, you know, any of the big companies, whether you're, you know, large scale productions, you know, everybody wants to have a footprint on Chicago. It's WWE, NWA, AEW. Um, even New Japan and Ring of Honor in the past with their affiliations with other companies, you know, uh, the Lucha companies, everybody wants a foothold in Chicago because of its historical, you know, value. And so essentially to the fan base, so it's going to be fun seeing a lot of family and friends, uh, see what I've been doing with the NWA, um, live, you know, they follow obviously on, on YouTube, Fight TV, but you know, this is a, a fun time in my career. I'm having a lot of fun uh, with the NWA and tagging with Ligurski as the fixers. Kind of looking forward to bringing that back home, essentially. I think it's going to be a, a cool weekend for Chicago and wrestling in general. Now we have the fixers, you and Wrecking Ball Ligurski, and, and that's a great name, by the way. The first ever NWA United States Tag Team Champions. And Two big burly men are taking tag team wrestling back to the old school days. Physicality to the max and color rule as well. Fixers rule, as you guys say. So what's uh, that team? Fixers rule, man. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it wasn't one of those things that got thrown together in a, in a booking meeting and or that I've had to deal with in the past where it's like, hey, you're going to tag with this guy and we're going in this direction anymore. Um, it came together very organically with myself and Ligurski kind of connecting over social media, having similar mindsets on, on the wrestling business. And uh, I've told him several times, you know, he's a little, he's obviously larger than me, but he reminds me of myself, you know, 15, 10 years ago, prior to, you know, getting some major opportunities. So we just gelled really, really well when, when things started to come together and NWA uh, being Billy and Pat, gave us the opportunity to show them what we can do. You know, I, I don't want to say we hit a home run, but maybe we did. We, we damn near close, whatever term you want to use it. You know, we came in with no fanfare. It just we came in like, who are these guys? And within the, the year, you know, we were winning tag team titles. And uh, we've made ourselves a, a pretty potent combination, if you want to call that, or potent item for the NWA, you know, where we're a big part of their their programming and their – their TV shows. So it's cool. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, and like you said, bringing wrestling, tag team wrestling back. Well, you know, that's kind of like what the whole mindset of us are. Yes, we're, you know, I'm, you know, closing in. I'm a breakfast away from 300 pounds, depending on the day of the week. And he's, you know, a, a hamburger away from 400. And, you know, we're influenced by a lot of the same guys throughout wrestling history. You know, your Bruiser Brodies, your Vaders, Stan Hansen. Uh, Terry Gordy, Steve Williams, Bam Bam Bigelow, all these, you know, big men who are very athletic and can move. And I think we're bringing that to the table and with a little bit of a modern twist to it with some of the, the, the strategies that we employ and the combinations we've come up with. So it's been fun. And the personalities are there, obviously, and the interaction between myself and him and whoever else happens to be around us. It gets a one-liner thrown at him, whether it's Bobby Fulton or Kyle Davis or you know, somebody in the crowd, it, it, it's fun. It's been entertaining for not only the fans, but myself as a, as a member. 
And you've seen the playoff. His quirking is really, really well. He's kind of a really uh, interesting personality, Likersky. Yeah, that's part of it. Like, there's a there's a very organic chemistry between us as far as our our, our, our personalities and our pros and cons, strengths and weaknesses and whatnot. So it plays in well. Um, I actually joke, you know, I come from a family of three boys, and I joke all the time he's the, the missing link brother. Uh, the fourth one so yeah I mean the personalities is what makes it fun otherwise you know what I mean wrestling otherwise it's just a bunch of moves on display but it's it's the personalities and the characters and behind the moves and who's doing them to who and why that I think wrestling becomes really really fun and it's the same thing with any other entertainment like you can have an action movie that's the same thing over and over again and and things blowing up and people getting shot or superheroes flying through the air but it's like why, why do you care that these things are happening in this movie and it's the characters it's the personalities behind them or the actors portraying them so yeah that's been a real real fun aspect of the fixers and and with what we've been allowed to do with the nwa so you're a chicago guy providence high school and yep. you, and actually and actually a northern northern illinois university grad too oh so you're husky as well yeah i am cool all right. Uh, and you started out training at the Steel Domain, right? Correct. Yep. Yes. Yep. So, started out with Steel Domain and uh, bounced around the world since then. Yeah. So what was that experience like over there? And then I, I know there's some big names that have gone through those doors as well. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of us that came out of this little old karate gym, a karate school on, you know, North Irving Park or whatever Irving Park Road it was in Irving Park area of the city. But yeah, there, there's a lot of people that went out of there and had uh, did some really cool stuff. I mean, not only myself, but you know, obviously you have guys like CM Punk and Colt Cabana. I mean, Adam Pierce, you know, Ace Steel, Danny Dominion, Kevin Quinn. That was kind of like the the core of the group. And I think out of us, a lot of or all of us in that group kind of went on and, and did some things and uh, made an impact in their own way, whether it was, you know, as Adam in as, as a coach and a booker for WWE and punk can speak for himself. And, you know, his reputation does Cabana with, you know, AEW now and everything he's done with ring of honor internationally. I mean, uh, there's not many major companies that I haven't touched base with or, or worked for uh, throughout my, I'm closing on 25 years in the wrestling business. And, you know, I've been in some of the locker rooms with some of the best in the business or, you know, coached by him, too. So, you know, had I known 25 years ago, like all of us were going to have some sort of impact or, or imprint on the wrestling business, I had no idea. You know, but things change and the business has ebbed and flowed. And, you know, those of us that kept with it, we got opportunities. So, yeah, I mean, there's that's always going to be uh, uh, maybe a, you want to call it a special place in my mind. But, you know, it's where I got my start. You know, I got a really good foundation there of the physical aspects and the footwork and the timing and and and, and that aspect from wrestling. And then it allowed me to go other places on the indies where I had to continue to grow. You know, I wasn't done training, even though I wasn't in the school or I wasn't done learning. I got around people like a bullpen and a Tracy Smothers and, you know, just tons of old timers like that and up in the to, to the minnesota region with people like mick karsh from the awa and um just learning so much from those people but it all started from 
what I learned at the steel domain that allowed me to get my foot in other doors to help propel me to where I am now. And once you were done with Steel Domain, you end up going down to the LWF for a while. And that was another place that had a lot of local guys, a lot of local well, legends, so to speak. Well, that was kind of like a simultaneous thing, to be honest with you. Like, um, I was kind of there for a while with the inception of the LWF. Um, met a lot of those guys. And I remember right in the time frame, a lot of those guys were just content with doing their thing in the LWF and they wanted to do things their way. And, and that's fine. That's it's their prerogative as businessmen or athletes, whatever you want to put it. You know, I wanted to go out and do more. I wanted to give myself more opportunities. I didn't want to just stay in Chicago or stay in the LWF. So that's why I, I ended up going to the steel domain where I felt I could create more opportunities and network as opposed to being on an Island off, on myself over there with the other guys, which is, again, that was like their mindset at the time. But, you know, directly because of that, again, networking and to learning more and, and never being satisfied to continue to grow that, you know, led me to where I am. Now you've been through a ton of promotions in the Chicago area mm -hmm. and the Midwest over the years. And most recently mm -hmm. before your NWA and OVW runs, Warrior Wrestling, Berwyn Championship Wrestling, mm -hmm. Zello Pro, mm -hmm. and even SSW in Kenosha. You even spent some time locally with Pro Wrestling Blitz back in the day, where you where you were their champion. So, who were some of the favorites to work with locally for you? You know, one person even you want to go back to to a little bit further. You know, uh, Rob Anthony is always a, a fun opponent for me to work with. We, me and Rob, have a really good chemistry. Um, maybe not as well known fact, we were briefly roommates when we were together in Deep South Wrestling for WWE. You know, we're around the same age. We came up not necessarily together, but around the same time and kind of zigzagged around each other throughout locker rooms and careers. And I just, every time me and Rob have kind of gotten together in a ring, it's been really fun. And, and from a from a wrestler standpoint, comes together pretty easy. Another guy I've really enjoyed in the Chicago area working with is uh, Shogun Logan. You know, he's another real, he's a, he's a big, thicker, powerful man. A bit of a martial arts MMA background. And uh, again, uh, he's just one of those guys that, you know, had a great attitude and, and just wanted to improve and wanted to get better. And I think I helped him do that in our matches and and, uh, and really enjoyed the process as far as, you know, helping him uh, move forward for his career and his and his skills and ability. But just the, the, I still remember thinking of it now that, you know, some of the reactions we got in a, in a packed gym in Joliet, you know, when you know, really had the crowd in the palm of our hands and just the way they reacted to just a few simple things like a super kick or him blocking a clothesline or whatever, but it was it was just done so well between us. And again, we just gelled. You know, off the top of my head, uh, you know, I've been around Chicago, man, so long. And, and like, I, I tell people when they ask me kind of questions like this, it's like, you guys probably have a better idea than I do at this point sometimes. Like, um, you know, not that I'm bump drunk or anything else like that, but it's like, uh, I have a hard time remembering specifics sometimes because like I've been doing this so long that like unless someone brings something to my attention or my mind then it cycles through and the memory pops up like it's kind of hard for me to recall sometimes you know just up just up the uh, the road so to say you know up in near Milwaukee you know working for uh, Great Lakes Championship Wrestling you know have a lot of fun memories for that. Uh, one being, you know, Cal Hero's first match, tagging with Robbie E with versus Cal and Al Snow, which was really, really fun. 
you know, anybody who knows me, I, I hold Al in very high regards and as a great coach and, and a mentor. Um, but then being there for Cal's first match and being kind of trusted by his father, the promoter, for that, but then also seeing what Cal's done the last two or three years since then and his growth. And it's kind of like, you know, kind of like a proud uncle or a proud big brother moment where it's like, good for you, kid. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you worked hard. You know, I, I've enjoyed working with him the few times that we have. And uh, he's been killing it in OVW from what I see. And he's busting his ass all over, you know, humping the highways, as they say, and, and, and all over the place. So those are things that stick out in my mind. You know, like there's some things that there's an old saying I've heard. I think I heard it first from Steve Carino. You know, sometimes you make a million dollars in wrestling. Sometimes you make a million memories. And I think I'm closing in on two billion memories right now. So, you know, the money wasn't always there, but. I mean, I've, I've experienced a lot of cool things. And like I said, sometimes it's kind of hard to remember them all. And your relationship with Billy Corgan goes back quite a ways with to Resistance yeah. Pro and then again in Impact before you landed the NWA. So what was the first time you met Billy and what was that experience like for you? The first time I met Billy was actually um, the day I agreed to booking with, with our pro which was at, I believe, like a C2E2 convention or the Comic-Con where they had an appearance and Billy made an appearance there. You know, and the first time I really, really had a, a, a conversation with Billy other than just like quick business stuff was we were at a, I can't remember the name of it, 24-hour diners after an R-Pro show somewhere near the Loop. And we were eating pancakes and uh, just shooting the shit. And we talked about everything from pro wrestling and aliens and like let's put this so like the conversation the people at the table was like me raven billy corrigan and a couple other people that i've unfortunately skipped my memory right now so you can imagine what was talked about at this table but uh, you know i've always been you know I've always kind of clicked with billy personally and professionally i think he's got he's a very astute businessman he's very shrewd which obviously shows with his dealings and sometimes you know people think he's hard to deal with and whatnot but the guys know what he likes and he knows how to make money and, and he knows how to, to, to market things, but more so he's a storyteller. You know, it, it's not all that far off from, you know, putting a concert on and, and getting your set list or writing an album and then having your song list of where, how you want these people to ebb and flow with their energy and their thoughts based upon what you're putting out as a musician. Pro wrestling isn't all that different. It's just the way we do it. You know, how you're telling that story, whether it's in the ring or it's the camera work or it's the talking segments. So again, you know, I've, again, I've worked with Billy for years. We have a great relationship. He's an awesome boss, in my opinion, to work for because I can come to him directly and uh, and just sit there and be like, hey, boss, what do you think about this? Or I'm not feeling this. Could we do this direction? Or how about this to where... You know, other places that's kind of taboo where you don't get direct access to the boss or the decision makers. You have to, you know, Billy's, you know, likes to be there, not necessarily in the locker room with the talent, but he's he's very hands on. He wants that feedback. He wants to know what we're thinking and what we're feeling because he knows like it's just as much his product as it is ours to at certain points because we if, if you know we don't deliver, the product's gonna suffer from it. So I've always really enjoyed that part, uh, excuse me, uh, working with him for that reason. He's very open, very honest, and, you know, where you can talk to him as opposed to you know, other places. Like I said, it's kind of taboo. 
So who made the call for you to get into the NWA? Did you make the call or did somebody call you? So um, little known is I was um, involved very early on with Billy's purchase of the NWA, which is like, geez, five years ago now. Just helping him sort out not necessarily the paperwork and the dollars and cents, but what he was actually acquiring, spitballing, what he could do with it. You know, like at one point there was actually talk of me, him, and Josephus jumping in a, a, you know, a touring RV, believe it or not, and bouncing around the country and going to all these NWA affiliates and watching their shows and seeing us, what we thought about them, their talent, or watching, you know, me and Josephus in their locker rooms and making a documentary on it. You know, this is the kind of stuff that was talked about really, really early on. I was on early parts of the show, you know, some of the like NWA 70th anniversary show from Nashville, you know, uh, did some stuff early on with, you know, the, the, the documentary stuff that they did about bringing the title back, you know, and then business reasons, personal reasons and COVID, I kind of, I kind of went away for a little bit and, you know, worked on myself outside the wrestling business and did some other things. And then, you know, when the time was right and I think the opportunity was there, it was just one of those things where it was just a matter of reaching out to Billy. I knew, you know, he would be positive about it. It was just a matter of when, you know, like he could work something out. And again, when we had this conversation, he was, he's like, absolutely, I'd love to have you around. And he's like, I really need tag teams. Okay, so there it comes, let me see what I can come up with. And thus, that's what started this path to build the fixers. Very cool. So now we're going to head on to the NWA 312 and TV tapings Friday night, April the 7th, and Saturday night, April the 8th at Studio One in Highland Park. And for NWA 312, just some of the top matches, I'll run them off real quick. The NWA World's Heavyweight Championship, we have Tyrus defending against Chris Adonis. And then for the NWA National Heavyweight Championship, we have the mysterious Scion, who kind of bears resemblance to a certain somebody who's from the Chicagoland area, but that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, I have taking... no idea who that guy is. I'm, really, <laughs> I'm more, I'm more interested. I'm more interested in knowing who his mom is. If I, uh, with, if, you know, the idol is, is, uh, is dad, who's the yeah. mom. That's kind of more my thing. I'm trying to find that out, but it's going to be hush hush on that for some reason. No one wants to give me that answer. Yeah, that's a, kind of a, a curious situation there. But yeah, the, the mysterious Scion will be defending against EC3. And then for your NWA World Women's Championship, we have the Brickhouse Camille taking out La Rosa Negra. And the NWA World Women's Tag Team Champions, Madi Rakowski and Missa Kate, who I know pretty darn well, friend of the show, taking on Pretty Empowered 2.0. So this is a really fun card that's kind of shaping up. Do you have any idea at all what you and uh, Wrecking Ball might be doing that night? Uh, I do not know as of right now. I mean, it's not one of those things that I can't talk about. I honestly do not know. We are there, Wrecking Ball and I. You know, obviously, Billy is not going to let me forego a homecoming. <laughs> so uh, we will be there. We will be in attendance, and we will be in action. I do not have our opponents listed just yet, uh, but I expect that any day now and see what kind of uh, ass-kicking we can deliver. But I think it's a pretty – from an NWA – Perspectively, it's a pretty stacked card. There's a lot of, I would say, a good mix there. You know, um, Tyrus being the champion has given the title more visibility than it's had in like 50-some years. And Chris Masters, dare, dare I say, is is having some of the best matches and the best 
at least mental mindset he's ever been in I've ever seen him around. And I've seen Chris on and off at least since, you know, when he debuted on, on Raw as a masterpiece. It's just around the time I was signing with WWE. So I've crossed paths with Chris quite a while and just his perspective and, and what he's bringing to the table. I think he's firing on all cylinders. I think that's going to be a, a sleeper match in a way. The young ladies, uh, the pretty empowered girls, continue to impress me. They're just they're, there's so much character and personality with them. They're all so well trained by either Dr. Tom or Ricky Morton that it's just disgusting how much potential that that group has. I'm really interested in Scion and um, EC3. I, they're both been around a long time. They've had so much experience in the wrestling business um, in various ways and with larger companies and big matches and independent matches to where I think that's going to be a good match too. You know, off the top of my head, those are the ones that are really sticking out, you know, and also you've got the influx, dare I say, of a younger talent ground swelling with, you know, the NWA right now with guys like, you know, Kerry Morton, who's only like 22 years old. Again, the, the, the pretty empowered and Missa Kate and Maddie Renkowski, there's there's an influx of young new talent coming in. Like another guy that pops into my head is Odinson, you know, who had some success in Japan as a tag team, and you know really seems to start sizzling right now as a singles guy in the NWA. To me, that's kind of fun to watch. You know what I mean? Like even as a fan, I remember watching. Oh, who's this new guy? What, what what's he up to? What what is he going to do? Who's he going to feud with or whatever? I know it's kind of the stage that we're at right now with some of the NWA roster right now where, you know, I want to, I don't want to say a reset or anything like that, but you have new blood injected. How's it going to mix up with, with guys that have been around, you know, like myself and a Chris Masters or a Trevor Murdoch or, you know, veterans and Hall of Famers like a Ricky Morton and a Bobby Fulton who, who's around. It's, it's a very interesting dynamic. You and Wrecking Ball as the fixers seem like a perfect fit for kind of the old school mentality that Billy is bringing back to the NWA into professional wrestling. Yep, I would agree. Again, I mentioned it earlier, there's there's a lot of, you know, what I call old school influence in us both. You know, I'll be honest with you, I don't really watch a whole lot of modern wrestling. I watch it in snippets or I'll go seek out a match that I'm interested in or someone has really told me a lot about. And that's across the board. It just... um kind of time constraints and just where I'm at. But I, I still, to this day, go back and gravitate to a lot of the old stuff. Like, again, it's so, something like simple as just old fun brawls with Crusher and Bruiser, and, you know, Stan Hansen and Brody um, from Japan, Doc and Gordy from Japan, Bam Bam Bigelow. And it's, again, it goes back to these, you know, old school big men who are athletic. I think there's, there's, a, there's a pet peeve between Ligurski and I of, of today and wrestling, like, you know, people want to wrestle like the big guy, but when you look at them, they're really not that big, nor are they that athletic. It's like, yeah, you might be 250 pounds, but you never look like you look, you've never seen the inside of a gym or done anything athletic before in your life. So how do you wrestle as this big man? Or you have the guys who are just, you know, large and they're not very mobile or they're just not you know very athletic and we kind of pride ourselves on on being the opposite of that yeah like i said like together we're over 700 and something pounds we're both over six foot three uh, my background in pro wrestling you know we've touched on you know i've literally been all over the place and you know he's he's a legit 
scholarship athlete who played division two football and wrestled in high school and in college. So we're athletes. We approach it as an athletic contest where, you know, we want to use our size uh, to our advantage. You know, a lot of the stuff we come up with does that, or we use each other as weapons or each other's size as weapons, which is where I think some of some of the modern stuff we come up with and working as a team, you know, again, it's been fun. And I think that's part of the thing that Billy and the company really likes about us is we are kind of a little bit of a throwback. We're not flashy. We don't have all this crazy colorful gear, <laughs> a couple butcher singlets, mostly in black, maybe a little bit of some other color. And, and we're just going to come in and beat people up and have fun doing it and do it in a creative way. You know, that's just, it's a simple formula behind it, but it seems like it's something that isn't in a, a large quantity nowadays. So I legit think we're the biggest tag team right now in pro wrestling size wise, you know, so it's been a lot of fun. And I think there's a, there's a lot of room left for us to grow and a lot of road left for us to run as a tag team. All right, Jay, go ahead and share your social media with us. And if you have any merchandise and upcoming events. So uh, my social medias, I do have a Facebook fan page, which is just facebook.com backslash Jay Bradley. I have Instagram, which is just Jay Bradley PW. And it's like my wrestling name, J-A-Y-B-R-A-D-L-E-Y-P-W for pro wrestling. We have brand new fixer shirts and hats that are Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle themed. If you're a fan of the Ninja Turtles, you'll know Bebop and Rocksteady. Well, it's now J-Bop and Rexsteady. And those are available right now uh, at angrylemonade.net. Uh, I believe they're 25 bucks a pop. There's a shirt and hat. I think there's a combo. I'm not exactly quite sure. We will also have these shirts in person uh, at sh- in Chicago for NWA 312 and the tapings. Um, so grab those because I'm from way it's looking at what they're, they're receiving on the site, they're probably going to sell out in person, so you might want to grab it uh, beforehand. Obviously, NWA three one two and the tapings this Saturday uh, after. What is it? The it's the seventh, April seventh. The pay per view. We're going to go live right after SmackDown goes off the air uh, from Studio One in Highland Park, and the next day we have two TV tapings: a matinee show at two o'clock, and then an evening show at seven p.m. All tickets for both events are available at NWA Tits, NWATIX.com. Get them now. It's going to be a small crowd, intimate venue, which I always kind of dig because you're right there with the people and it just feels like you could probably reach out and armbar the guy in the front row while you spit on the grandma across the hall. So that'll be a fun thing. Other than that, man, that's all I got going on right now. It looks like the pictures might be popping up onto some indies this coming spring or this summer having some interesting talk so we'll see who uh ends up having us come to town to beat some people up jay thank you very much for coming on and uh, i know we could probably do an encore because there's probably so many things we didn't even get a chance to talk about oh yeah and you i get going about things people start asking me questions i'll talk your ear off so appreciate your time though absolutely thank you so much all right take care buddy Great time talking to Jay Bradley. He's a guy I've been meaning to get on this show for quite a while. He's a Chicago legend. He's done some great things in WWE, Impact Wrestling, and Independence. And he's coming back home for NWA 312 on April the 7th. And then the TV tapings on April the 8th up in Highland Park. 
check that out if you don't already have a ticket. I know they're probably running pretty low. There's also a pay-per-view starting at 9 p.m. on Friday night, April the 7th. All right, next week, we'll recap WrestleMania 39. Plus, we welcome an extra special guest for the very first time. With NWA 312 around the corner, we welcome former Impact Wrestling World Champion, former WWE Superstar, the Overman, EC3. And EC3 will join us right here next week on Windy City Slam Podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody.